That's where as parents, we need to support our children's learning at home and realize if they're not ready or they're still struggling, give them the support they need and vice versa. If they're ready to move on, we can enrich them at home as well and help them move on and learn more faster than maybe the classroom can do. Welcome to The Power of Kids Books, where we believe books are a catalyst to inspire and empower change. I'm your host, Dory Durbin. Does the mere mention of the word math subtract the joy in your home? Do math problems cause emotional reactions that really add up? Does your lack of math confidence multiply your desire not even to utter the word? I have help for you. Today's guest is a mom, a math teacher, a curriculum coordinator, and a math interventionist with a passion to make learning math fun, and if you can imagine it, actually fun for the whole family. She has a website called Games by Absolute Zero that aims at making math fun one game at a time. Welcome to the show, Betsy Mays. Thank you, Dory, for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being here. This is a struggle for a lot of people. It's a struggle for adults, and they really have this experience Maybe their own childhood experience where they they have just a negative experience with math that follows them through adulthood. And it makes parenting and trying to teach your kid math really hard. It does. I agree. I've, I've run across that myself, helping my own children and then working with kids and parents at the schools. I've noticed that a lot. So do you find that there's a common theme as far as where parents have this struggle? Is it early, later in life? What What have you noticed? It just really depends on everybody's experience, but there's usually that brick wall that the parents and kids hit. Tends to be middle school more than anything else, because that's when we start getting into some more abstract ideas like integers and algebra. It's not just your basic computation. So I'd say middle school is where most people, parents start to struggle helping their children. But sometimes it can be even earlier than that, because a lot of times we're teaching math maybe a little different than you learned it, and that makes it tricky. I remember when my kids started the new math, and my oldest son learned a lot of what I had learned, and my daughter, only two years later, learned new math. And <laughs> I thought, what is going on here? And it was supposed to be easier, and I was trying to be supportive, and I was like, I can't help you. This is in third grade. I can't help you. So I right. don't know if that's some of it too, just the different approaches like you're talking about. Right. Now the stress is on, we want kids to see and understand what they're doing, not just learn algorithms. So we want them to understand and have a conceptual understanding of the math, not just learn what we call the algorithm or the tricks to the math. So that's what's different for parents than we're trying to teach the kids right now. But it's ultimately the same. We want to get the correct answer and get it quickly so we can move on. If you have little kids, let's say, and you maybe have this math phobia, um, how do you start to introduce them to math, maybe in more common ways that aren't overwhelming to you or to your kid? One, I think, is as a parent to be really careful and know that how you perceive something you'll project onto your children if you're not careful, even with just facial expressions, right? So we need to be careful and conscious of what we're letting our children see in us. But then it's to make it fun and to realize even for yourself how many times you use math, cooking, think when you're cooking, how much are you using math with your measuring cups and proportioning it? Let's say you want half the recipe or doubling the recipe. We use tons of math when we're doing that. Or if you're in any kind of sewing or building or construction or arts and crafts 
all of those things that involve measurement or math. So those are fun ways that we can explore math with our kids that isn't paper and pencil. Yeah. I remember cooking with my my mom and I would just dump stuff in and she'd say, we can see what happens. And, <laughs> right, and I think right. that's more relaxed. It's more of like a, okay, this didn't work out because we didn't measure because versus having it perfect the first time too. Exactly. Exactly. So is there a lot of fear with math too, because math is so absolute? That's part of it. And I think too, maybe just the way we learned it wasn't made fun, right? So we would go into math class. It was pretty much paper, pencil, workbooks, worksheets, maybe listening to a teacher explain and do a couple of examples. And then we were expected just to get it and move on. And everybody learns differently. Some of us are more visual learners. Some of us are more kinesthetic learners. So I think that's where trying to expose people to math concepts in different ways is helpful. And also really we'll develop at our own rate and pace. Not everybody's ready for multiplication in third grade, but that's when we teach it. So if you don't get it in third grade, you're struggling from then on. So realizing that there are developmental differences in people and taking that into consideration, I think is another thing we need to do. And is that where as a parent, if you notice that, let's see, your child isn't ready for the next level, mm-hmm. is that your responsibility to see that and tell the teachers, what do you do with that? That's tough because in schools, public schools especially, there's curriculum, there's standards, there's pacing guides that teachers have to follow. So they do their best to intervene and to give kids the accommodations and the support they need, but they've got a tough job. That's where as parents, we need to support our children's learning at home and realize that they're not ready or they're still struggling, give them the support they need. And vice versa, if they're ready to move on, we can enrich them at home as well and help them move on and learn more faster than maybe the classroom can do. So let me ask you from your own personal experience, how was math fun for you when you were growing up? What do you remember about it that you enjoyed? I think it helped that my mom was a math teacher. Okay. (laughs) Insider track. (laughs) Yeah. So I had that, but I remember her and my brother struggling and my mom just saying, I don't understand why you don't get this on the kitchen (laughs) table. Um, So, so that helped. And I guess I was lucky that it just came to me and I understood the rules and I learned if I memorized the rules and followed them, it made sense. It wasn't till I became a teacher myself and I realized everybody didn't learn that way. So I had to get creative, do some research and figure out, okay, I explained it the way I know it to my students. Half of them didn't get it. So now what can I do to help that half understand this concept. And that's where I started exploring different ways of teaching and eventually led me to coming up with games to help support different standards. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So if I'm a parent who knows that, let's say the math in the classroom isn't, my child just is not connecting with it. Mm -hmm. Are there ways for me to figure out what would be the best approach, whether it's kinesthetic, visual, tactile? Like, how do I figure that out for my child? I'd say try them all and see what clicks, right? Um, that That's one thing. And probably by now your child pretty well and know what type of learner they are. So you would gravitate towards that. But it can't hurt to try a little bit of everything. And there are so many resources available to us now with the internet that weren't available when my children were young because they're now adults. So that makes it a lot easier. And 
Another tip going off to the side a little bit, there are so many resources that you can Google to get you refreshed as a parent before trying to help your child. So even as a teacher or when I was tutoring, if there was a topic like graphing linear equations, oh my goodness, it's been a while since I've done that. I would just Google it, watch a few people on YouTube, whether it was Khan Academy or some other lessons, refresh my memory, then I was able to help my students. So really then it goes back to what you said before. It's getting to the right answer, not necessarily the actual having the right process, would you say? I would agree 100%. There's multiple ways to get the right answer. And that's one thing more teachers are being conscious of themselves and accepting of. Like when I was in school, when I first started teaching, you had to show the steps the way I taught it. I had to show the steps the way the teacher taught it. But now we're realizing that if kids understand the concept, can explain their reasoning, show their work and get a correct answer, if they got a little creative in the process, that's a good thing. So I'm laughing because I my son is very smart and he would come up with answers but not know how they got them. Mm-hmm. And so the trouble, the, the struggle we had was having him actually write down the process he took to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm assuming that's probably, he's not the only one that does that. Or that Oh no, there's, there's lots of people. The thing with that too, that's fun to ask is if, if your child comes up with a creative way to solve something, saying, I wonder if that works all the time, because sometimes there's just like a a phenomenon or you get lucky, right? You you did something and you got lucky. So let's see if that works every time. Let's have another problem that's the same process-y, but different numbers and see if that works again. Let's try it again. If it works consistently, you've got a new way to do something, but maybe you just got lucky the first time and it's not going to work every time. I love that. That's great. Because then you're not telling them, no, your process didn't work. You're like experiment to find out whether it does or not. Exactly. And that's what mathematicians and scientists do, right? Mm -hmm. Hi friends, sorry for the interruption, but let me just throw something at you. You've got kids, you know what life is like, and you have the expertise to help another parent. Maybe you're a professional, maybe you're an expert who has their own platform, and maybe you're not. Maybe you're just someone who would love to write a kid's book. If that's you, and we're talking directly to your heart right now, you should definitely book a chat with me. Let's talk about your book and get it in action. Okay, back to the podcast. Okay, we got off track a tiny bit and that was my fault. Um, (laughs) So with your actual website, it really came from the concept that math needed to be fun. It needed to be something tangible and enjoyable for families to do. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your games and what they do and, and how that approach is echoed? Okay, great. Thank you. Backstory on how I got here, teaching middle school math for 20 years. I wanted kids to look forward to coming to my class and be excited about what we might be doing. I couldn't play games every day in the classroom, but I incorporated them as much as I could. And then when we got to teaching integers, positive and negative numbers, there weren't any cards out there that had them on. So I was saying red was negative, black was positive, and using a regular deck of cards. And it worked okay, but kids had trouble remembering that when I wanted them to be focusing on learning the integer operation rules. So my own children that were still in school, they were middle school, high school at the time, said, mom, why don't you just make your own deck since there's not one out on the market that you want? So my children helped me and we delved into how do you make a deck of cards? And my daughter was my graphic designer and she designed the cards for me. And my son helped me with the rules. And I Googled, how do you get a deck of cards produced and how do you sell them? 
and that's how the business started. Um, so the first game was an integer game called Absolute Zero. My daughter came up with the name and the logo, and it really was a family affair. And now I have four different games, all focusing on what I consider to be foundational math skills. And then I have several free games on my website that parents can print and play. That's awesome. I saw one of them. I think, was it, it Tenfish? Yeah, yeah. What was that one about? Okay. As a middle school math teacher, I was surprised how many kids couldn't add and subtract within 10 readily. Seven plus what is 10? They couldn't tell me three immediately. And I'm thinking, this is a primary skill. This is something we should be learning in kindergarten, first, second grade. And you really need that skill to be able to add, subtract, multiply, divide when you're borrowing and carrying, decomposing and composing numbers. All that is a foundation for math. So I thought, what can I do to help kids learn that and become fluent at it? And that's where I came up with 10 fish. Each card has a 10 frame on it. So if the card is the number three, it has a 10 frame on it with three fish in it. Then you can see that there are seven missing. 10 frames are used in the elementary curriculum. So if your child's in a public school or even private school setting, they're seeing 10 frames. That's one thing when I gave it to my neighbor as a test um game because she had young children. She's my kids are coming home with worksheets that have these 10 frames on them. I'm like, yeah, I know. So it's something your kids are seeing at home and school, but it's visual. It helps them see what they need. It's like go fish. Kids love playing. Another fun story about 10 fish. When I first created it, my husband, who's not in education said, Betsy, this is a stupid game. There's no rules. There's no, oh, there's rules, but there's no real way to keep score. I just don't see the point of it. I said, I think it's good. So we went to a homeschool convention. Little kids were coming up to my booth and playing 10 fish. They were laughing. They were having fun. And my husband looked at me and goes, oh, I guess it really is a good game. So (laughs) I go, okay, thank you. But um, it's received the Parents' Choice Foundation Award and the Academics um, Brain Toy Award, as has um, Absolute Zero. And they're both bestsellers on Amazon as well. So both games have really been successful and hopefully helped a lot of people. Now, I noticed 10 Fish had an activity book, I believe. And that's sold separately. I do have a bundle. I think I'm out of stock right now. So I'm getting ready to provide, get that stocked up for the holidays. And it's a coloring book, mazes, number games. It's just an activity book for children that accompany the game. How fun. How fun. And so that's two of your games. What were the other two? There's an Absolute Zero Junior, which is an easier version of Absolute Zero. It's got 10 frames on it. It's got smaller numbers, just things to introduce kids to the concept. And then Hunch is another game involving integers. I noticed that kids had trouble with distance on a number line. So for example, if I had a negative three and a positive two, how far apart are they? And kids want to just subtract and say one when really they're five apart. And so it's really subtracting of numbers. So I created this game Hunch where it's a guessing game. And let's say I and the cards are from negative five to positive five. So I'm going to guess and say, I think it's going to be a three. I turned the card over and it was a negative two. So how far off was my guess? It was five off. So that's my score for that hand. There's a vertical number line printed on each card with the number represented. So kids can count how far off their guesses were to aid them. That's one thing I like to do with my games is have support built into the game itself so that kids can get support and they can check each other too. If I just say it's five, how do I know you're right? I can look and count and make sure. That's really cool. That's brilliant, actually, because I think I was one of those kids that said it was one. Yeah, a a lot of kids are. A lot of people are, right? You're just, and so that's another game that's fun. It's a guessing game, which you don't usually get a guess in math. Um, 
but it has a lot of, and if you're keeping score, it's a separate score sheet. It's a little, it's not complicated, but there's a lot of math involved in that because you're adding or subtracting and you have a running total and the person closest to zero at the end wins. And you've got to decide if you're off by five, do you want to add that five to your running score or subtract it, which will get you closer to zero. So there, there's a lot of thinking that goes on to that game. That sounds really fun. So it that is. one, what is the age group on that one? Okay, so like Hunch and Absolute Zero were developed for middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. But this past two years when I was doing math intervention at a Title I school, I was playing both games with third and fourth graders. Mm, okay. Because I have support built in, they can do it. They realize that red is negative, black is positive, and you just want your reds to equal your blacks, and then you'll have zero in your hand. So if I have a red three and a red four and a black seven, the reds equal the black, that makes zero. And they loved playing and, and they liked to think that they were doing big kid math, right? When I told them, oh, this is a middle school game. I'm not sure if you can do it. Oh, we can do it, Mrs. Mays. And they sure did. And they just would beg to play when they came to my classroom. So it was so much fun. They also wanted Dex to take home. I, I love that they wanted to take a math game home and play with their families. And then what about 10 fish? What, what age group is that? Actually, four-year-olds can start playing that if you have a precocious four-year-old. If they can count to 10, they can play 10 fish. But once again, Fourth graders like to play, and even anyone likes to play. It's just a fun game. So if you like go fish, you, you will like play ten fish. That's a, that sounds really fun. I can actually I think about seeing your own work being admired and people laughing and enjoying it. That's got to be just super rewarding as the creator too. It is, and it's just been my passion to make math fun. Everyone's a math person. We just have to have the right environment in which to learn it. And I would love to rid the world of this math phobia or this I'm not good at math attitude. Um, no one goes around saying, I don't, I can't read or I don't like reading. Maybe we're not an, an avid reader, but people just don't go around saying that. So I would like that to be the way it is with math too, that we appreciate it and um, just realize how it's all around us and we use it every day and let's make it fun. So it sounds like that was what inspired you as well, observing where there were holes in the kids' learning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but caused you to create these games. Are there right. future games that you still have on your mind that you haven't created yet? Yep. I've got um, one in the works right now. I was hoping to have it out by the holidays, but I don't think it's going to make it. And it's called Betsy's Barnyard, and it's going to be a barn-themed game where rummy, where you're making sets and runs of cards. So kids are learning what the difference between a set and a run is. You're learning how to count consecutive numbers, not starting at one. So like we might have a card two, three, four, or four, five, six. Those are all elementary standards. Plus, it's just a fun game to play with your family. That sounds really cute. I love that. <laughs> so, it's in the works right now. Fantastic. Okay. So you probably don't have a favorite game. Of mine or just in general? Of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's hard to say. It's between Absolute Zero and Hunch. Or Ten Fish, I'm sorry. Absolute Zero is my first game and it's what launched this whole thing. But Ten Fish is a lot of fun for a lot of people. So another thing, if you don't mind me veering off again, there's so many things parents can do at home with probably what they have at home. Um, most families have a deck of cards and a dice or two at home. And I started playing games with my kids when they were in elementary school before I had this business going. And here's one I remember we would play the marshmallow game. So my son loved mini marshmallows. So I'd take mini marshmallows, put like 10 in the middle of the table. We'd have two dice or a deck of cards. We either flip two cards over or roll two dice. And if we were adding, whoever said the sum first got to take a marshmallow and eat it. And 
those kind of fun games that we're practicing math skills, but we're laughing together and we're getting a little treat at the end or during it. Those kind of make learning fun. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a hack for money? Because I know a lot of kids really struggle with coins and trying to figure out how to count coins or add coins together. Have you come up with anything? Oh, I don't know if I have a hack, but I agree with you with that stuff. That really is. Especially today, we're going to cards. We're going to playing with cards, right? We pay with credit card or debit card. We don't transact in money. I know when I was young, I got an allowance in cash and I got to go up to the pharmacy or the candy store and buy treats for myself on the weekend. And I learned about money then. Unfortunately, our kids aren't having that experience. So one way might be to try to incorporate that into your home, right? Some kind of token economy system that's using real money. So kids have that experience. I know in one of my resource, I was helping a teacher at my school in one of the resource classrooms, we started that. I had play money, but it was quarters, dimes, and the kids could earn money for different things. And then the teacher had a little store and the kids could buy things. So we were trying to replicate that in the classroom. So kids were holding money and having to transact with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because if it's real world, they have a little more invested interest in it too. Like Monopoly or Monopoly use money, but not the change part, right? Those are just using bills. So it's not quite the same. Maybe they'll come up with one of those, or maybe you could. Yeah, I could. I'll work on that. I'll write down that I have to come up with a money game. <laughs> I just know, I know adults who still struggle with the difference between nickels and, and dimes and quarters because they're all silver. And right. it's, it's interesting. So like you said, we don't typically use them, but then you're or making change, other... right? If you go somewhere right. and have to change, count back. It's, oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's more tricky than what people think if you're not used to that. And I worked at McDonald's. I don't even want to tell you how long ago before the computer told us how much change to give. Let's put it that way. So I had to learn how to count back money to people, but that was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. So what do you feel is one mistake that parents might accidentally make when they're helping their kids try to appreciate math? Maybe their intentions are really good. And I know you mentioned the facial piece of that, but do they do anything else that sometimes will thwart their kids enjoying math or growing in it? One thing was just, I don't know how many times I had parents say, I'm not good at math, wait till your dad gets home. Mm. Or I, you know, that or something like that, right? Or I'm not good at math, wait till your mom gets home, whatever the case may be. Or So that would be a big thing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And I guess, oh, I don't know if I can come up with something right now. What's our next question? I'm thinking on that and we'll come back to that. One. Is that okay? No problem. Yep, Absolutely. So what's one thing that you wish kids knew about math earlier in life? One, that it can be fun, that it doesn't have to be drudgery, workbooks. It just kills me when teachers, even the first week of school, want to do review and placement testing. I'm like, no, you should be doing something new the kids have never seen before. I used to give my kids graphing calculators and we did an M&M activity where we graphed the different colored M&Ms that were in the pack. But then we got to put the information into the graphing calculator and learn how to use that. So they were getting M&Ms, but we covered our graphing standards, our standard analysis um, standards doing that. But it was fun and something they'd never done before. So try to think of ways to make it novel so that it's not the same paper and pencil. Not that they don't need to be able to use paper and pencil at some point, but it shouldn't be the first thing we go to. We should be using manipulatives, hands-on stuff, or real life. Whether we're in the garden and we have to plant our plants 
three inches apart, or we are doing a craft project and we need a yard of yarn for each project and we're making 20 of them, how much yarn do we need? Those kinds of things. And then we have to be explicit and let kids know this is math. I know we just had fun baking a cake for Nana, but we used a lot of math. Let's look at what math did we use? So not only doing those activities, knowing that we're giving our kids exposure to math, but then being explicit about it so they can make the connections. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm thinking about another project for you. Yes. I'm thinking that maybe you need to make a deck for parents of activities that they could be doing with their kids. (laughs) Okay, I'll look into that. (laughs) I think there might be some stuff. I know there's some books and things out there already like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's something to look into. So that's just a freebie on the interview. So there you go. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So where is the best place for them to find you and all of your materials? And even if if you're open to them emailing you with questions or anything like that. Oh, definitely, definitely. My website is gamesbyabsolutezero.com. There's a contact me link on there. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, there's free resources. So in there, I have Primeline, which is a print and play game with activities that helps with multiplication facts. There are a list of all my favorite games other than the ones I've created that my family and I like to play. There's math and art activities, other things like that. So there's a bunch of free resources there. I have a blog called Raising Smart Kids. So in my blog post, I try to gear it towards both parents and teachers. So some posts might be more teacher-centric and some posts might be more parent-centric, but there's just good ideas in there on how to raise smart kids, just all the things we need to keep in mind. And I sell everything though right now on Amazon. So if you're on my website and want to buy something, my Shop Now link takes you to my Amazon store. Okay. And you said there's a contact form with your email on it. Do you want to just yep. drop it anyway here? Yeah. So just it's Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y at gamesbyabsolutezero.com. Perfect. Yeah. You have so much like fun, different, unique ideas that I feel like maybe just maybe some of us will have our minds changed about math. I hope so. And it's just playing any games, not even just my math games is so enriching for families and for kids. We have a family, my kids are now grown and left home, but we have Sunday family dinner and we play games every Sunday night still. We have three and we used to have four generations of our family playing games together around the kitchen table. It just, it doesn't matter what the game is, whether it's a board game your kids enjoy, uh, shoots and ladders, a card game your family likes. It's just fun. They're learning so many social skills verbal skills and math skills playing the majority of games that are out there that you pretty much can't go wrong by playing games with a family. I love that. I love that confidence that that would inspire in kids too. Uh-huh. It really does. And just how to be graceful winners and graceful losers. That's a big thing that we all need help on, I know, but just to teach them how to behave when things don't always go their way. Well, that's great. That is great. Betsy, thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait for people to try your games out and let you know how they work. Thank you so much for having me, Dory. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you.